the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. One of the great insiders in hockey is E.J. Raddick of NHL Network, who joins Carriker and Smallman now on 101 ESPN. E.J., good morning. That's Michelle Smallman. This is Randy Carriker. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How are you all today? Everything's great. Great to hear your voice, and I know it's a busy day, so we do appreciate your time. The trade deadline at 3 o'clock St. Louis time this afternoon, and we got to start with this. Are you hearing anything about the Blues? No, I, I, you know, Doug Armstrong has been, you know, he's usually somebody that keeps his cards pretty close to his vest. Uh, he's been around a while. He's been pretty good at this uh, over the years. And, you know, I'll be really, I think the statement that will be made at the end of the day, one way or the other, I mean, is that we'll find out just how much he really believes in this team right now based on what he does. If he thinks that this team is a move away from really making a push, I think he'll make it. But, I, you know, watching, you guys have watched it out there. It's been a very up and down several weeks. I don't think they've been all that happy with their complete 200-foot game something that they were really good at when they won the Stanley Cup in 2019. Obviously, there's some different personnel now, particularly on the blue line. So I, I, I think they're trying to measure all these things. Um, you know, they, ha- they don't have a second-round pick this year, so that's something of, of value that teams would be interested in. I don't think they really are all that interested in trading their first-round pick unless they can make a really big upgrade. So... Um, I'll be curious to see what Doug does today because, again, you know, they could do something. They could make a hockey trade. He could do any number of things just because he is always, he's a pretty shrewd guy and they keep their, you know, like I said, they keep their cards close to the vest. And, you know, you never quite know what he's going to do. But I think when the day ends, we'll have an idea of how he feels about his team. EJ, do you think that there's a player out there that you think the Blues should be targeting that you think would be a good fit for this team? Uh, well, I think a, a bigger left-shot defenseman, I think, is somebody that, you know, that type of player. I thought Ben Sherratt was a guy that would have been a good fit, but it was a costly price to get Ben Sherratt. And, and you know, at the end of the day, Doug did not want to pay it. Um, Carson Soucy is a big defenseman out in Seattle. I think he's got term left on his deal. That might be another guy if the Kraken is, is willing to move him and, and Doug feels that that's a player that can can help him, but certainly somebody along those lines. I think, you know, a bigger, stronger, you know, left-shot defenseman to give him a little upgrade there I think would be something that would help. I mean, I always go back to that defensive group that won in 2019. I mean, they were big and long and hard to play against when you think about a Petrangelo and an Edmondson and a Boomeister. I mean, those guys were all, you know, just long, long reach, just difficult to deal with on the blue line and 
you know, they made a big difference for St. Louis. So that's the type of player I think they would like to get. But, uh, again, what's the price? And if the price is prohibitive, I don't think Doug certainly wants to trade a first-round pick to get a Carson Soucy. So then you have to determine if, uh, you know, if there's a match somewhere along the way and what other suitors, you know, there might be for that player or if Seattle wants to trade him at all. EJ Raddick of NHL Network with us on 101 ESPN. And EJ, before you came on, we were talking about the avalanche. And it seems to me like Colorado is kind of there by themselves. And then you have the rest of the West. And it's going to take something really extraordinary, in my mind, for the avalanche to lose a playoff series this year. Do you share that feeling? Um, No, I don't think I do. (laughs) I think that, uh, you know, we've seen this. We've seen this with Colorado before, and they have a great team, and there's no question about it. They have a lot of high-end players, and when everybody's healthy there, I mean, they're going to be a handful to deal with. There's no question. But, um, you know, they have never done it before. And when you've never done it before, you have to figure out a way to get through four series and get 16 wins. Now, I think when you look at the Calgary Flames in the conference, they're in the Pacific Division. Their path could be substantially easier than Colorado's. So they could get to a third-round matchup and maybe be there may be less wear on the tire, so to speak, by that point in time. Uh, the Flames have a really good team. They've played Colorado twice recently. They split the games. They didn't play their starting goaltender in either game. Um, you know, so that would be a really interesting Western Conference final matchup. I, think, I also think that Colorado, you know, could have their hands full in uh, in just getting through the central, I, and again, I know the favorite, Randy. And you know, I, and I'm not trying to undersell what they are. This is a this is a terrific roster and a great team, but it's a team that hasn't even been to the conference final, more or less. You know, the the Stanley Cup final. So, I think that Joe Sakic and Chris McFarland and that group there, and Brad Smith and all the guys that that work within their group, I think they're still working today to try to maybe add a piece or two if they can. And uh, they've got the LTIR room, I believe, with Landeskog to do that. So, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's leaving it to chance. I think there's about four or five teams that I look at that I think really, to me, Calgary and and Colorado in the West. In the East, uh, I favor Florida, Tampa, and Pittsburgh. Although the Rangers could be a wild card just because of the goalie, and they had such a good weekend here. I mean, they beat Tampa and Carolina on back-to-back nights. So, um, you know, they haven't done anything yet, so I'll be curious to see if Chris Drury gets into the, into the mix here today. He's got a ton of cap space. He could actually go out and really do some uh, – he could do some work on his roster, especially by adding expiring contracts because they just have the room to do it. EJ, I want to go back to what we were talking about earlier, and you mentioned we'll really get a sense of what Doug Armstrong thinks of the team by the moves or that he does or doesn't make today. You said we'll find out if he really thinks they're a one move away from contending. Do you think that? Do you think the Blues are one move away from being a team that could really contend? I think it's difficult just because of the, the limitations on what they have in terms of the cap and what they want to, maybe might want to move. I think... They're a group of forwards I was really impressed with. I think 1 through 12, even beyond that, I think they've got a really good group of forwards. Uh, I think Ryan O'Reilly has underperformed a little bit this year offensively. Uh, I think you got to figure that he is going to be better come playoff time. He does so many other things to help you, but he hasn't maybe provided as many up points this year that, he's, that he has in the past. Um, I'm really not necessarily worried about the forward group. 
I'm worried more about, again, like what I mentioned earlier, just, you know, and they've spoken about it there, the identity, the willingness to, to dig in and play that hard 200-by-85-foot game that they were so good at uh, a couple of years back. That is a real commitment. That is difficult to do night after night after night. Maybe there's a feeling there among the veterans that when the time comes, they can get to it. They're in a pretty good spot. They're not going to likely fall out of the playoffs. But I think it's been frustrating to to the coaching staff and to the management group there that they, they're not quite sure about exactly what they have. And I do think they're a little short on defense in terms of that, uh, you know, another bigger, stronger left-shot guy. And, you know, I think Sherratt would have been a nice fit for them. Uh, if Joel Edmondson had been healthy, I mean, he might have been a guy they could bring back from Montreal. Uh, I don't know if that works for them contractually, may not. But uh, that's the area of concern. And then in goal, Billy Huso has been lights out good this year, as you guys know. But, you know, they've got to figure that out down the road because Huso is going to be a UFA, and Jordan Bennington is the guy that's on the long-term contract and the guy that's won for them in the past, and yet he's kind of underperformed this year. So, uh, you know, when you ask me, are they one move away? I think it would have to be a, a, a pretty significant move on defense to say that, you know, okay, I feel really much better about this team. And when I say that, I'm talking about adding a top four defenseman, maybe a Chikrin or one of those type of players, and I don't see them doing that. EJ, why do you think it has occurred this year that so many teams are willing to give up number one picks for rentals or players that aren't going to be around for very long? Well, I think you got to look at who those teams are that are willing to do it, right? The Tampa Bay Lightning gave up a lot for for Brandon Hagel. But but did they, when you think about it, right? They've won back-to-back Stanley Cups. When you look at the core guys on that team, they're still very much in the winning window. I mean, Vasilevsky is, I think he's 27. Uh, Kucherov is 28. Uh, you know, Hedman is a little bit older at 31. I think Stamkos is 32. Uh, Point is still into his, into his mid-20s. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of players that are still very much in the winning window there. So what they do is they go out, they target a guy like Hagel. They've had Kachuk, Radish, and Joseph there in their organization for a couple of years. They know those players really well. They don't feel that those players at this time can really support their group in that, like, in the third-line roles that they would be in because – This year, during the regular season, Maroon, Perry, and Belmar have had to kind of play more minutes than I'm sure the Tampa Bay Lightning want them to play ideally. That is a fourth line, not a third line. So what they've done is, by adding Paul and adding Hagel, now they've really strengthened that area, they think, and we will see. I mean, just like they did a couple of years ago with Coleman and Goodrow, we'll see if it plays out in the same way. But they're very much in a winning window. So when they trade first-round picks away, they're trading late first-round picks away down the road. They've protected them in terms of top-ten protection in case something bad happens and they get, they get moved off to another year. And they've also, re- they've also acquired fourth-round picks in those deals. Back when they acquired Barclay Goodrow, they acquired a third-round pick in that year. And when you really do the math, and, and these teams really do the work on the draft now and what the value of players are at each individual spot in the draft, they traded in the Goodrow drill, they traded away, what, a 30, 31st overall pick that year to get a 68 back. And when you start doing the, the work on that, there's not a huge difference there 
especially for a team like Tampa that already has good players filling up their roster right now. So, we're willing to move the first-round picks. You know, Florida's willing to do it because, again, they're trying to win right now. The teams that are moving the first-round picks that have a chance to legitimately win the Stanley Cup, I'm okay with that because you can get those picks back, too. That's another thing to consider. If the wheels fall off in Tampa or in Florida in another year or two, they've got pieces there that they can then move to get first-round picks back. So I think people look at it in the immediate, and they hear, oh, first-round picks. There's a, there's a lot more to it, and the ability to get picks back later in the draft kind of offsets that a little bit. So it's, it's interesting, and I think the teams have done a lot of work analytically on the draft and in terms of what value each pick in each round has, and I think that plays into it as well. E.J. Raddick, great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. should be a fun next four and a half hours leading up to the deadline, and uh, we'll be checking you out on Twitter and uh, seeing your work on NHL Network. All right, you got it. Have a great day. You too, thank you. That's our friend DJ Raddick from NHL Network on 101 ESPN, host of NHL Now, coming up at 3 o'clock. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the College Football Playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.